1: We had that like unattainable or big goal that one day we're going to make a movie so we got to be ready when that day comes we're going to be ready so but that took a long time like i worked in so many commercials i worked in so many things always with that dream that one day a movie would come along
0: he's an award-winning director who's worked with some of the biggest a-list stars on the planet carlos saldana has created or directed films that have grossed not millions but billions of dollars Your favorites include Ice Age, Rio, and Ferdinand. How he accomplished this dream of conquering Hollywood—that story right now. I'm Steve Parker Jr. This is Parker on Tap. Carlos, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Steve. Super happy to be here.
0: Well, Carlos, I mean, from from our experiences, and um, you know, you you're a very unassuming individual. Um, You know, any search for you online—I mean, I can find plenty of of interviews, but I can't find one where I would say you're bragging or even tooting your horn all that much, maybe never, not even in the press junkets, which are purely about sort of doing that, if you will. Um, I mean, do you prefer to be to be more behind the scenes uh, with the films that you help create?
1: Yeah, by nature, like uh, being a director and especially directing a lot of my movies or animation, like you tend to be more behind the scenes. Like everything's a little bit more low key, your everyday life, your the people that you have to deal with it is like it's an it's, it, it's a work environment. like I go to an office or like what we call a studio, it's very creative, very fun, but still, like it's it's far from being like a fancy stage or somewhere that you're hanging out with like fancy actors and things like that Everything is just like um you know every day just people doing their what they do best you know create stories and tell stories like you know it's um and also I think that you know the um, just by itself just to um making this movie such a a, a daunting task you know in itself that it's hard to to brag about anything because it, it, it's, it's hard all the way through it. You know, so there's, you know, it's until it's out until you, you, you get the job done, right. Or you tell the story that you wanted to tell, you know, it's, um, it's, it's a hard process. That's not only, only you, it's a team of 500 people doing it. So.
0: Right. Well, there's, I mean, obviously if you ever watch the credits and my, my kids love to watch the credits of films, funny enough, because they like to read the people's names because there's always such Really diversity of names, and some of them are hard to pronounce, and everything else. And they like to have fun trying to figure that out, and they'll make me even pause, you know, like on the screen. It's so, it's so strange, um, and and it is a, a you know a labor of love and, and a lot of teamwork, and it's hard. I mean, even this podcast is hard. You know, as, as simple as it is in this in the in the relative scheme compared to a film. Well, and listen, since you won't, I'll I'll brag on you a little, okay? So the the films you've created have created. Uh, gross revenues that read like the financials of, of some of the hottest tech companies. You have, and I'll just read a few of them: 484 million gross, 498 million, 383, 408 million, 877 million, 660 million, 886 million. And that's literally a few, um, not even all of them. And and this includes obviously some of the the ones that were extremely familiar with like Rio. And of course there's a few of those ice age. And there's a number of ice age movies that robots film Ferdinand and, and, and others. Um, I mean, what do you have to say for yourself? Like, like share the magic fairy dust already. So we can all, we can all do this.
1: Well, it, it, it's hard because nothing happens. Like, uh, it's a formula or this is how you do it. You know, you just do it. Like for me it was mostly like following my instincts and trying just to, really try to figure out a way to get my um you know to do things that I love you know and hopefully that will work out I always go into a like you know I really love the story but I you know I really hope people like it too I really hope that it works out but I it's I never know even like with all these successes and all these movies every project I have the same question in my head so it's it keeps me it keeps me you know grounded I guess you know just knowing that it could go well but it not it doesn't necessarily needs to go well you know so it, it depends because you're dealing with creativity you're dealing with an artistic you know vision and some sometimes people might not share that vision with you and sometimes that might not be understood or accepted or whatnot but you know so every project it's a challenge you know, even with the previous ones being successful, the next one, it feels like a first time, you know, it feels like I have to, because, you know, they have the same, you know, that is like, you're only good as your last movie. And it's half true, you know, I I don't, I, you know, of course, like if you have a, you know, the, the previous movie you did, is really, you know, great and a lot of people saw it. Yes, the next one, people, the expectations will be high. But I think that, you know, it's, it's about everything, you know, it's about the combinations of what you're trying to do with each movie. Like I have movies that maybe didn't go as well in the box office as some other ones, but it got me more awards than the others, you know? So there is a balance. It's like, but at the end of the day, it's like how to make a project or how to make something that I feel satisfied or I feel fulfilled as an artist, but also that I feel that something out there for someone that will connect to this project, you know, and that it's just a matter of scale, how many will connect and how, you know, how many people. Well, and if,
0: and if someone, like, if someone doesn't like a film and there's always critics for everything in life, I mean, you know, your own, your own family, I'm you at times I'm sure like anybody else's family. Right. But I mean, how do you, I mean, is, is that okay with you? I mean, does it bother you at all? I mean, how do you digest sort of the negative feedback?
1: Well, it's 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 tough because you try to make the best out of it, you know. And of course, your ego gets scratched. You know, you get, you feel the hurt, you know. And because you wish that people will get it or people will like it, but but it compensates with other things, you know. It compensates with other people's reactions, you know. So it's a balance. But you you tend to just sometimes just to 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 be more taken by the negatives, you know, rather than enjoying the positives, but I've tried to figure out a way to balance it, you know, to mm-hmm. try to look the good on every project. And, and the worst case scenario for a project, like if it does fail, it's like you learn something for sure. And, um, and, and, the, and another thing that's interesting is just like in these projects, you know, the outcome is super important because that's the, you know, the birth of the baby, you know, that's when everything is happening and everything is there. And it's, it's, it's the whole work is there, but I think the journey is actually the best part. And that's one thing that I, you know, it's really in intriguing for this project because like usually any creative project, you know, never happens overnight. It takes years, it takes years. You know, even the idea in your head might be taking 10 years to mature and to be ready for some kind of production. And even when you get into production, like an animated movie would take an average of four years to, to, to get to the completion. And even live action, now that I'm starting to play with live action and, and 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 series and stuff like that, that still takes a long time. So there's time to mature. And because it takes a long time, I think the process to get there, it's as good as the result. You know, you I, I believe that you have to have a journey that feels both creatively and emotionally satisfying in order for you to have a project that feels the same way. You know, I would say like if I suffer through a project for so long. I don't know. It's like, I, I it doesn't pay off for me, even if it's great. You know, I, I don't know if it does pay off. Like I, I, I like to balance the two things, like the journey and the outcome. But, you know, but the journey is, I, I think for me, is even...
0: Well, I mean, you know, I would say I mean, you know, if you've had success in anything, you know, you you have things that you take personal obviously and that feel very emotional to you and and you have to learn from successes and failures. You know, uh, you know, we've been, you know, with and you know Jeff, my business partner in Levelwing that started it with me. I mean, you know, we've been thankful and fortunate that we've been able to now do our 14th consecutive Super Bowl campaign this year, right? But we've had lots of failures along the way too. People see, well, here's the shiny object and this one these have worked out really well and thankfully we've done a lot of them really good, but, but there's been a lot of things that we've screwed up along the way too. And you have to learn from them and dust yourself off, stick your tail between your legs and get back to work again. Right. Yeah. Um, I, let's, let's talk, let's talk a little bit. And uh, speaking of that, cause I want to go back to roots a little bit. Let's talk about how you got here. You moved to New York in 91, correct?
1: Yeah, no. Yes. I moved to New York in 91. Uh, I'm originally from Rio from Brazil. Uh, hence the, the movie, Rio, right? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I, uh, we, I moved in '91. I was uh, 22. You know, back in the days, I, I definitely had a drive to work with animation. You know, I wanted to learn computer graphics. I wanted to be doing that kind of stuff. So, well, I
0: read. uh, You know, I read where, um, where although you loved, you know, cartoons and drawing growing up you didn't consider a career in the field of art or animation a possibility. And why was that?
1: Well, I, it's, there is a little bit of that kind of like stigma of art. You say like, Oh, I'm an artist. Well, you're an employed or I'm a writer. No, you're a waiter. You know, that kind of like stigma of like that kind of like, you know, art is hard because it is hard, you know, but you can live with art. You know, we can live like doing art, you know, and, um, and there are different ways of doing it. And um, so I, but where the, the position that I was, like I come from a, a fairly traditional family and, and uh, we, we, that not very artistic and therefore like their vision of art is very hard because this is like art is very hard. You know, it's almost like more like towards a hobby than it is towards a profession, you know because people are led to believe the professions are like lawyers, you know, and, and what's on the box? What's in the box? You know, like right. so lawyers, you know, teachers, doctors, engineers, those kind of things, you know. Um, so and I felt, no, there might be a way to do art. And I remember like being younger, like thinking about college and things like that. And then my, I wanted to go to art school and my parents was like art school. But then, what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do with art school? And it's like, I don't know, but that's what I want to do. But then. They said, no, do something else. Is there anything else that you like? I said, well, I like computers a lot. And he goes, oh, well, that's a profession. That's up and coming. Computers, that's like, I can, I can see that. You know, it's, it's tangible. Like, oh, I can see a profession as a computer somebody, you know. And, but I ended up doing that, actually. I went to computer science school, like, uh, for college, you know. But the art never left me. And I think that that's one, one thing, like even though I was doing computer, like deep inside there was a little voice saying like, what about your art? What about your art? And I remember like uh, as I was my first jobs that I got, you know, I remember w- writing software doing stuff like that. I remember spending more time, like thinking about the visualization of the screens and how the tools would work and the, the icons and things like that, than the meat and the, the, the product itself. And I just kept cutting myself, like just getting lost into the artistic side of computer science.
0: Well, I think it's hard for people to understand, you know, the art of anything, right? I mean, and you've met my wife, Deanna, and she danced in New York City Ballet for, you know, for many years, and it was hard for people to understand, like, you do what for a living? You dance? Like, you know, some people would understand New York City Ballet was like this preeminent, you know, company, but other people just didn't understand it. They only knew what they saw from, say, TV. Um... But these in the box sort of job things that people can understand the construct of, you know, like if you're a doctor, attorney, if you're, you know, a teacher or something, people can understand what that means, maybe in the daily aspects to some extent. But when you say you're an artist or you're an animator, it's like, well, what does that mean? You just sketch on paper all day and draw stick figures. Yeah. Or <laughs> they, don't, they, don't, they don't have a concept for it. Well, when you, well, as we move on, I mean, while you were studying at the School of Visual Arts in Manhattan, you met a, a guy named Chris Wedge. And he's the founder of, of Blue Sky Studios, where is still where you are today for you've been there many, many years. Um, but but the, but originally Blue Sky was essentially more of a, a creative ad agency, more so. Right. Not a film studio initially.
1: Yeah, it was like, look, we're talking about 92, 91, 92, like 93. I, I, I graduated in 93. And in um, the business, like the computer business, I mean, the animation business was still like very early. Like for example, there was Toy Story 1, the first animated big computer-generated, you know, computer like a movie came out, I think in 95. So we are still like, we knew that things were happening. You know, we were aware of the, the things around it. And even like before I came to the US, I knew that things were happening. I would get these tapes and this back then was tapes, not YouTube or anything like that. I'll get these right. tapes of these kind of, um, you know, demo reels of companies and things that people were doing. And I would see on TV like technology and special effects and movies would come out and all that stuff. So things were happening. It was, but it was a lot in doing the publicity or, or in, the, in the advertising world or it was done in the movies, the big movies, because you needed a lot of money to get things done um so at first that was my intent you know I want to learn computer graphics computer animation so I can do commercials so I can work on advertising and and do like you know fancy tv commercials or and eventually maybe I can you know go to make movies make special effects movie like Terminator things like that so I was with that kind of in mind so I didn't think that I would be directing stories and all that but that's when like Coming to New York and going to School of Visual Arts, I was able to actually experience storytelling, you know, in a different way. You know, and Chris Wedge was like the first, um, you know, one of the first person that that kind of like showed me that route. That is like, well, we want to do something bigger. We have to work to do advertising because that pays the bills. But but we have big big dreams because there are things done out there. There are shorts. There are things that are happening, and then there's movies coming. This is gonna be big. And, I, and so that vision excited me. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Because I thought about gonna okay, working on advertising, but I'm okay working on advertising because that's what I wanted to do. But I this other thing seems interesting. So my thesis at, at at my thesis project at school was actually to create a short. And then that was my the pleasure of just telling a story through computer graphics. And then and that was something that kind of opened my mind because when I decided just to tell a story, you know with animation, I was like, "Wow, well, this is really cool. Advertising will pay the bills, but this is awesome. Like telling my own stories or telling my things, that was what I wanted to do.
0: Well, you know, and, and so exactly. And initially the visual effects and stuff that you all did, like for example, like you, you worked on the animation for the film Fight Club with Brad Pitt and Ed Norton, right? Right. Um, but, then, but then after that, not long after that, you created your first feature film, Ice Age, um, along with Chris, I think, and, and how, did, you know, how did that come about? It was your first feature di- directorial debut, right? Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it was, it, it's interesting because it, the reason why, you know, when I graduated from, from, from my master's, you know, I had offers or I had chances to go to California and go to the big studios, quote-unquote, like, you know, the Pixar's of the world and the Disney or the, the, at the time there was like DreamWorks or PDI. I, you know, I, I graduated with my, my projects, you know, my, my, my thesis project, like won many awards, was like in festivals around the world. So that was something that gave me a lot of like visibility. So people were interested in taking me, but I didn't wanna leave New York. There was something connecting me to New York and, and Blue Sky was the only option for me because Blue Sky had the balance that I'm, I was looking for. He had the advertising work that allowed me to work but also I had a vision for something that could be really cool, like making movies, making animated movies. And that's kind of like where I was gravitating to, but it wasn't a reality yet. So what we did is like every project that we got, we tried to get projects. Of course, like you can't choose too much when you're trying to make a living with computers. So you take the jobs that you that you get. But we are always searching for projects that would teach us something, you know, that we could apply to learn. About something specific, like model characters, or use a new technology, use you know do a different you know technique of animation, doing mixed media. We we're trying just to learn as much as we can because we had that like unattainable or big goal that one day we're gonna make a movie. So we gotta be ready. When that day comes, we gotta be ready. So, but that took a long time. Like I worked in so many commercials, I worked in so many things, always with that dream that one day a movie would come along. But so we, we're gradually trying to prepare ourselves for that, you know, and um, and that happens like, you know, I think the first glimpse of hope happened because as we were working, uh, Chris Wedge had a, a short that he was working already. When I was in school, he was, he started to work, but there, you know, it was like more than eight years that he's been working on that short. Mm-hmm. And finally, after a few years at Blue Sky, we started to make enough money that we could afford um, you know, to do that as a side project, make it into a goal. Like We need to make a creative project of our own in order to try to do the big things. And that's when we organized the company in a way that we could do a lot of TV commercials and pay the bills, but on the side, we can do the short. So it took us two years to make the short, you know, and Chris Wedge was like completely focused on making that. And that short was, a, you know, was, it was great because it was a very much like telling what we wanted to do. Like he, he showed off our technology, showed off our skills and showed off good storytelling. And, and, and good enough, that was the best decision we made because that that was our calling card for the big projects that came after that. So doing that short eventually, like Chris Wedge we won an Oscar for the short, you know, that put us on the spotlight. And then people start to talk, who is this company in New York that's doing this crazy stuff? And that's when, like, happened also coincided with the big boom of animation. You know, Toy Story came out, 95. And then you had Ants, Bugs Life. And have all these movies. Pixar is lined up to do, like, many more movies. And everybody was making movies. Studios are teaming up. And, like, who's left? And that's when Fox decided to do it as well. And then that's when Fox approached Blue Sky and said, you know what? Uh, We want to make animated movies. And you guys seem to be the, the team to make it. So let's do it. So that's when Fox completely bought Blue Sky. He acquired Blue Sky as a, as a studio for Fox. And that's when they said, we're gonna make a movie together, but which movie would that would be? We didn't know, but all we want is like, we wanna make a movie. You know, we, of course, like we had ideas of movies of our own, but they were interested in something more sure thing. Like we have a script, we have this thing that we've been trying to make, and I think it's gonna be great for animation. So when we got that script was Ice Age. And that was kind of like our first big kind of entrance into the, the the big league.
0: And so then, and so you directed that film, correct? And and you know, it's your first time doing a film of that size. I mean, did you have the the first day jitters? I mean, you know, the film's obviously gone on to to gross billions of dollars since then. I mean, or or really, probably in total, the I would say that that Ice Age series, of which there are a number of them, has 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 made many billions of dollars. You know, I guess, I guess two things. Were you nervous? And then second of all, does the popularity of those films, does that make you happy? Do you feel satisfied with what's, what they've achieved?
1: Well, what's happened, you know, um, well, Ice Age was like a tricky thing because even though we thought we were prepared, we're not prepared. You know, we... We, <laughs> thought, that's yeah, that we, we were a small <laughs> company and, uh, and uh, we had to grow fast, in order to make it so that we have production challenges and pretty much everybody got involved you know and uh and I actually I co-directed like the director was Chris Wedge was his first like big project and I I was I was uh, invited by him to co-direct it because we knew that the task would be very hard you know that we all needed to team up you know I was like I I had a I was, you know, I had a very good relationship with the animators. I could help out on that level. So, you know, and we all learning. That's the, the thing about that. we all learning on the fly. Like we're all trying to learn. So, And that was the exciting part of the project because we all had to figure it out, you know. And um, so I learned quite a bit. He learned quite a bit. We made some, you know, discoveries. We made some good discoveries and we, we, we failed a couple of times. But we were learning as we went. You know, and that was always kind of like the satisfying part of it. So we are starting to build a company off of that project. But there was one catch on that one because because we didn't know better. We were we didn't. It's that question that you said before, like, oh, what, what is it making it and what is the expectations? You know, we didn't know we do not know is it going to be a success is it going to be the only movie you're going to make like Fox has bought us we're going to make this movie It's going to fail and then we're not going to do anything else we're going to have to close the company we're like what is it what is it going to be like we didn't know but all we knew that we're going to make the best project we could make and we're going to have fun doing it and we're going to try to give our best because we knew that we had a lot of good stuff you
0: know and so and so the success of those i mean obviously i would assume that makes you happy that they've gone on you've made many ice age you know films since then you know that's it shows that there's been success that's followed success, followed success in that process. So maybe, you know, the first learnings, even though maybe it was tough, obviously you improved.
1: Yeah, but there was like, you know, there's always like, there's never, everything is never perfect, right? Like, so we we did the project and then we learned a lot doing it. The project came out great. We loved it. And, you know, we, we were able to to deliver it, you know, but... Uh, y-
0: I was going to say, I don't think I don't think anyone or anything is ever considered perfect until it's dead. Right.
1: I I know. They say that you never finish. You abandon it. Somebody pulled a pen, you know, then you can't (laughs) do it anymore. But 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 I think that what what happened with that project was interesting because we didn't know if it's going to be a success or not. So like halfway through it, we had to come up with this opening number that was this opening credits, which was the squirrels scratch. And then, um, and that, when we started to produce that, you know, uh, that idea came, like the studio said, like, this is great. We're going to make this as a teaser trailer. And it was like, oh my God, but we don't have that sequence. And it's like, it's a little bit, you know, it's our surprise, it's our fun thing. And it's like, no, no, you're going to, you got to get people to want to watch this movie. So the trailer came out and it was a huge success. And it was like, you know, crazy, you know, success. Everybody was talking about that sequence. Everyone's talking about sequence. So we were like, scared by the, the the success but then at the same time we we're like holy shit like i think that this movie might be good this movie might make might be successful but then there is a problem like we don't have another movie you know, like if this movie is successful how are we gonna do the next one and then sure enough the movie came out it was a big success and we had like 100 plus like at the time was like 150 employees and um what are we gonna do next and nobody was prepared for it like the studio wasn't prepared it was the first time fox was making an animated 3d animated movie we weren't prepared because it's the first time we're making a movie so we don't know how the business will work and back then the business was like one movie one or two animated movie a year and that's it nowadays it's like 30 but so it was it's like oh my god what are we gonna do and that was a big like down like the success of the movie was such a high. And we had a big down because how are we gonna we not have we don't have another movie we're not ready for it, and that's when like uh, you know it was a sad times for it because we had to let go a lot of people, you know because oh wow so I, didn't, I didn't realize that yeah we had to let go a lot of people a lot of very experienced people and people that we groomed that we were for two three years were training and it was like huge loss of like quality you know uh, you know you know artists, you know, like that we needed to make movies ahead of it. So that, you know, took us back, you know, a few steps and we had to learn from that. And then we, uh, you know, at the time, luckily we had a movie called Robots that, you know, we had started to play with that idea. And that's when we pitch Fox and say, look, we got this movie here that we can try to make it. Let's try to make that one while we'll think about what to do next. But then that moment we all learned, we all learned that you cannot only have one movie down like you have to have a plan three four movies in production you have to have many movies ready because when the one comes if it's successful you have to be ready to get the next one you have to kind of like so you can keep grooming the company you keep growing and becoming a studio become something that you have longevity something that you have experience, that you 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 have all those things um but that was the early days and uh and that was really really tough times well that's
0: that's incredible to have to 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 have such a big hit on your first one and then all of a sudden you know, the next thing is the rude awakening of, oh, we don't have anything else. And now we have to like lay off all these people and take the business, you know, down a notch, but we just had all this success. We should be growing. Let's come back to, you know, like the core of of you, Carlos, for a moment. Like, you know, we all um, have these moments in our life and career where, you know, it could be the, it could be inspiration or just the universe strikes us in some unique way. And we, then we go, just go do this thing. What was the moment that you realized I have to do this the rest of my life? I can't do anything else. Like, where were you when that happened? And what was the catalyst that spurred that particular moment?
1: Well, to be honest, it was super early. You know, I was like, I arrived, uh, I arrived in, um, in New York in January, in the middle of a snowstorm, like similar to the ones that I'm, you know, experience yesterday <laughs> that I experienced yesterday that I was still shoveling snow out of my 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 my, my front gate. So uh, um, it was like that. It was crazy. I didn't know what I was going to expect of the process. And now I was coming from a different country, super young, didn't know what it was going to be. And I remember that, you know, my classes would start like a, a week later. And I remember the minute that I sat down in the class and I started to work with a computer and doing things like at that moment like I was sitting in this class like full of computers you know like in this art school in New York City and that's when I kind of like I you know I pinched myself and says so like is this real and that's the moment that's like it is super real like like I like this I can do this and then that's the moment that he clicked and from that moment on I said like this is what I want to do and I never want to stop you know, and that's what happened, you know, from that day on, I knew that that was going to happen to me. And, and, and that was my mission. I wanted to be the best that I could do as much as I can. And I want to create projects. I want to tell stories. I want to, I want to do all of the above, you know?
0: I mean, did you just, I mean, did you walk out of that class and walk down the street and you just have this, you're in this bubble of your, of, of, Carlos you know
1: like. yeah, I was but you know there was something interesting about it because you know I you know I come from a country where you know doesn't have the same uh, you know privileges or amenities you know as the United States you know you know so I remember when I, I went to computer science school like I had you know a fraction of the school of the computers in my entire university that was in that room that I was sitting on. So we, you know, and then it was funny because when I came in, I was so eager. I was so like impressed by everything. But at the same time, I was really shocked by very little people were interested in using that. So I I had the sentiment that people were taking things for granted or people were so used to the bonanza of like of having access that they forgot the essence of getting something done or, or looking for that drive or like, and I had plenty of that, you know, and that's when I it, it clicked. This is like, I can do better. I can use all of these computers because nobody's using and I can make the best out of me. I would not waste any second of my time because I don't know if I go back home, at least I will have the experience to share, you know, and if I'm here, I need to be the best as I can be, you know, so that drive was something that was really inherent to my, 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 me growing up in, a, in, you know, in Brazil or my family structure and things like that. So, and I, that was the most shocking thing for me was that kind of sentiment, having that, you know, arriving, because I wasn't going to say like, well, I'm going to come to that class and everybody would be like so much more advanced and everything will be so much more than I expected. And it was the opposite. I think that you had everything that you needed, but the people didn't want to use it or people didn't have what it was the most important, not technology, but drive. You know? Yeah,
0: I, th- I think it's, you know, it's, it's interesting when you, when you travel to other countries and you see what people have and what people don't have, you know, because in the States, even look, even amongst people that don't have much, they have a lot more than people have in some other places on this planet. And, yeah. and, you know, and, you know, I grew up without very much here in the States, which was still exceptionally more than the, I've been to Africa 11 times. And, and when I go to these little villages to see what they have, I mean, it's, it's here, we consider it literally nothing. They would be homeless. In, mm-hmm. in many regards, but they're, they're really happy with what they have. They don't know really the difference in, in what's going on in the rest of the world. But until you've really gone and experienced those things, I think it's hard to appreciate sometimes the, the excess that you have access to or the access you have, you know, it, but that's a good segue into the next question I have for you. Cause you know, like Carlos, like I personally have this principle that was really ingrained in me. I think for my dad, who's a football coach, I um, was always talking about fundamentals, but um this principle of fundamentals first that I use that really I try and use as a guide for everything I do in life, whether it's personal or work. And I try to abide by it at every moment. And if I don't, for some reason, and then I step back and redo it again, but, um, and it certainly helped me succeed. I mean, even with leveling, the agency that I've co-founded, uh, you know, many years ago, we've adopted fundamentals first as one of our three core principles and, in, in how we operate and how we do things. Um, and that served us extremely well, you know, building these, these basic things first that build the platform for success. And, you know, is there a core principle that you rely on that guides your life or your work?
1: Yeah, I think there's a few. Like, I, I, I tend to think about this, like, you know, nothing is easy. So you always have to work hard, you know? So no matter how easy it seems, like you're going to learn that's not that easy. And so you might as well just be ready to work hard. You know, that was something that from day one from my family, even early in the days, like nothing was easy and nothing was like done, you know, not nothing came for free. Yeah. Like you had to work hard to earn it, to do it. So earn your, your, your job or earn your position is something that I always look for and, and get to know that when you do that, you don't do it by yourself. Like you need some kind of allies and support system to help you earn that too. So because of that, never, never, ever kind of like, you know, treat the people around you with like less than what you, you know, they are actually more, you know, never, you know, forget that, you know, and that's something that, you know, even like, for example, for family, for friends, for co-workers, you know, you kind of have to have a good relationship, you got to have to have, you know, respect, you got to have to have pride, admiration, all those sentiments need to be with you as you are working towards your goal, because it's part of it, part of that learn. you know, and another thing that I do that I use is like, like, never take anything for granted, you know, never, you know, always look as an opportunity, you know, and every moment in your life, you're gonna have like a, cho- a choice to make, Either go this way or that way. And when you're younger, you tend to make more bolder choices. You know, nowadays I have to think more or longer if I want to make a big life change. Because you start, you know, the more you grow, the more you climb, the higher is the fall, as they say. You know, so so, and you
0: also have others that you're responsible for. I mean, you have kids and a wife, and you know all these other things going on. But it's
1: much easier to make those decisions earlier. So don't shy away from those, and then use your time to make those decisions, to make those bold moves. Follow instincts. You know, I always try to follow my instincts because of that. You know, so that those are the core principles that I always took with me. You know, at school, later at work, with family, it's just like keeping check. Like always keep everything in check and always keep like knowing that, you know, you could all end, you know, and, but if it does, you know, no matter what, you did the best you could do to get there.
0: Yeah. And, and look, and I can see and feel those things in you that they're truthful and that's and that's authentic to, to you, Carlos. I mean, you mentioned you grew up in Brazil and we all know Brazil is this like wonderfully vibrant culture that seemingly pulsates with colors and magic from the outsider 24 hours a day, you know, all the time. But, you know, I would, I would suspect that um, that that had a large influence on the creation of the film Rio. And, and you mentioned that early on, when we first started chatting was is was Rio more personal to you than other films because of where you're from?
1: Yeah. I, yeah, I think it was. I think that, you know, the Ice Age movies were like what boosted my, my name or my career you know but Rio was the one that kind of like gave me the most personal satisfaction you know that was the one that I felt my accomplishment. like first of all they, the idea was mine was right. that something that was brought in from a studio or you know even though we make our own once we make it but I think the core idea of Rio was mine and was something that I had for a long time because you know it's something that I, I uh, you know there are many things that are wrong with Brazil you know and there's all these kind of like, and but we grew up with that kind of stigma of carrying that kind of like burden. But but there's so much good in it. There's so much inspiration and great stuff that I never saw that outside, you know. And I say I wanted to do something different. I wanted to be able to show the, the Brazil that I like to have it in my head, or the Rio, the my hometown that I I I admire and I have love for. And I wanted to do that journey, and then. And that was a goal that I had in my head. We have so many great things. Why focus on the negative if there's so many positives to help you? And that's when I talked about colors. I talked about nature. I talked about like music. I talked about fun or, or style of living or, or re- relationships, all those kind of things. And that's when the movie came to my head. So that is definitely the most personal and at the same time, the most fulfilling for me as, um, as a creator, you know.
0: And is 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 there truth in that the original idea for Rio had something to do with penguins that get lost and end up on the beaches?
1: It does. And I, and like
0: I had one of our friends tell me this, and I had never heard that, so I was just curious.
1: It's so funny because the idea came up with that because you know when you go to the beach in the winter time, like which is not winter, but it's winter time, it's like around July. There is this, might, You know, there's a lot of penguins that show up on the beach. You know, we've seen it. My kids swam with them, you know, when they came up. But like they, they but it's, it's not a, a great thing because the reason why they are there, because somehow they took the wrong current and they ended up in the wrong spot. But it happens because there is a cold current that comes from Antarctica and gets all the way to, you know, it ends up in Rio. So there are a very good amount of penguins that show up in the, in the wintertime. On the beach so you're just in middle of Ipanema beach and then you see just this little guy hopping out of the water and so it's like, oh my god what is he doing there so and I thought so, that was funny
0: and so then originally the story was focused on that and then you had to change it for some reason it was
1: focused on that you know was focused on that guy blue was that guy you know blue was okay
0: blue. Was okay
1: literally a fish out of water you know in a tropical country that doesn't he doesn't belong but then what happens is that when I was creating that idea and I pitched that idea to the studios, it says like, it was the, the, the time that there were about like five Penguin movies being made. There was like, you know, uh, you know uh, Madagascar Penguins. There was like a, a documentary about marching of the penguins. There was like another movie, like, you know, Happy Feet with penguins. There was like so many movies in the making of, with penguins. And they the, said so like, look, I love the idea, but I, I don't think I can, I can produce it, I can sell it, you know? And that's, but I, I had this great other, you know, parallel to that, you know, to the penguin, there was a story of a blue macaw. The, the center of the, the story was a blue macaw that was extinct. And this penguin became the the friend of this blue macaw to try to help save the blue macaw from the traffickers and to extinction and all that stuff. So I just twisted the story. I make the blue macaw an American blue macaw as if it was taken away and then coming, it's coming home. It's that kind of sentiment of right. like, right. Though, the Blumacar was from Brazil, like it was a foreign eye to Brazil and it was trying to recover, you know, find, you know, uh his heart in, in Brazil again. So I thought that that was very compelling and I was glad that I made that change because it became a much more compelling story for me.
0: Is there a film or a project that you're working on that you can speak about? I know you generally can't say too much when you're in progress, but
1: Yeah, well, I, you know, there was many changes since I started. I've been a Blue Sky for 27 years, or 28 years, you know, and I, uh, there's so many changes in the company. We were independent studio. We got bought by Fox. Then we worked with many movies for Fox. And then a few years back, we got bought by Disney. And uh, so a lot of things changed, That you know and uh and now i'm working on a project for disney it's still like uh, in development so i cannot disclose the, the 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 name of the project yet because it hasn't been fully announced but uh but it's something that i'm working really hard on you know right now and uh it's something that it's very exciting it's a new structure new everything so i'm learning again like again just same feeling like that kind of like deep like you know feeling of like, oh my God, here we go. Next project. Well, you know, you kind of forget everything that you've done. You're just like, okay, this is what am I going to do now? So you get a little bit of that panic, but I'm just releasing like um, this coming, you know, Friday on the 5th of February. I, I, my first like uh, series TV series, like for Netflix it's coming out and it's completely different because, you know, working with animation for all these years, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to do something more and that's when I decided to try to venture into live action. And I had all these ideas and thoughts and all that and then I pitched one of these ideas to to Netflix and the project the project is called Invisible City which is a you know um, a police drama kind of with with fantastical elements because I'm infusing elements of the Brazilian folklore into the drama and into the 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 action into the 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 suspense of the story so it was something that i always wanted to do and and i got to have the chance to do it like a couple of years ago you know to shoot it you know on a, before the craziness of the pandemic started and but it's finally coming out on Netflix. So, so is this Netflix is this
0: series is it going to be in on Netflix in the in the states or in Brazil only or or where No, everywhere. It it's everywhere. A, it's okay. a Brazilian
1: production. It's a, it's a, a Brazilian production, but it's uh, for the platform. And that's the beauty of the platform. You just like you put it onto the system. 190 countries watch it at the same time however they want to watch it, you know, like and it's it's great. So I'm I'm very excited. It's something very different than my movies but equally challenging and equally satisfying. It was like, I, I was very excited to be able to put out there. So I, I, this is, a, it's always learning. I think that's another lesson to be learned. Like you're always learning no matter what, you know, how uh, I mean, no I mean, old l- you are, no matter how many years you have of experience, you always learn, never stop learning. That's the key.
0: It's, it's funny. Cause if you, you know, if you spend time with say older people that are, you know, maybe in their you know late eighties or nineties, the ones that seem happiest are the ones that are still learning. You know, they're still yeah. trying to do new things. What's last couple of questions, Carlos? I mean, what's a film that you've seen and you were like, damn, I wish I made that one?
1: Oh, there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the grass is always greener. You know, yeah. I I, well, you I didn't have to I was...
0: go through you didn't have to go through the pain of making it, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There was like, oh gosh, you know. There's one like in animation. There was one that I re- wish I would have made it because I loved it so much. Is Ratatouille from Pixar? Because I love cooking, and I love food, and I love Paris. So when I saw that movie, I'd be like, "Oh man, I would love to have made this movie." You know? Yeah. But, yeah. but they did it perfectly. So I I was a very happy, you know, um, uh, audience for for that animated movie. So there's always. Oh, that.
0: What's your what's your favorite film or, or story of all time?
1: Oh, uh, I have a lot. I have um,
0: You can't use your own. I mean, it has to no, be No,
1: actually, <laughs> I can't even go back to my movies. I have such a, like a, this kind of like, oh my god, no, no, no. I don't right. want to go back because I tend just to see the mistakes and I tend to see what I did wrong or what should I have done differently. So I decided never to go back to my movies, but uh, but I think that, you know, movies that I love story-wise, you know, for animation, I love the classics. I like I, I like the depth and the the intensity of Bambi. I love the heartwarming relationships of Dumbo. Like I I love those classics, you know. Um, but there's so many great movies out there. Like it's hard to make a list, you know. I remember you know watching E.T. for the first time and just completely falling in love with everything about it. You know, it's just like there's so many movies that 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 marks your life, you know. I'm a big sci-fi buff so i I was kind of like I loved you know blade Runner was always the best that's oh,
0: yeah, great for me.
1: even though a movie that was kind of like at the time not a lot of people liked it. it was a kind of like a cult you know movie kind of thing but I watched that movie I don't know how many times because I love that story so there's so many great movies out there so
0: there are there are t- there are tons well uh, Carlos listen it's been great to talk to you and and it's always always fun to talk to you but great to hear about your background and 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 the thoughts that you had as you were going through it it's been way too long since we've seen you all like Isabella and the kids and uh, perhaps we make that happen this summer you know once we get past stuff a little further but but I appreciate it congrats on the the coming Disney film at some point in the future I know it's probably taking a long time and and then certainly like big big congrats on an invisible city on Netflix coming out you know by the time everyone hears this it will be out Thanks so much, Carlos, for your time it's and, and been uh, talking
1: to you. And hopefully,
0: we can talk again soon.
1: Yes, anytime.
0: I'm Steve Parker Jr. I want to thank you for listening to Parker on Tap. You just listened to my talk with Carlos Saldana. Carlos is such a kind and warm person, and my children love his films, and I do as well. The most important thing I took away from this conversation was this theme of just seeing things through when they're hard. His story of Blue Sky Studios hitting that high with the runaway success of Ice Age and then immediately crashing and had to lay off most of their team. It was just horrible. But then they saw through. They became better for it. Be sure to watch Carlos's first live action series on Netflix, Invisible City. It's freaking intense. I hope this podcast inspired you too. Please share with a friend or on your social channels. You can also learn more about us at parkerontap.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it